0: Welcome back for another ATP podcast as we continue on our tour of the Sunshine Double. Indian Wells is done. Congratulations to Carlos Alcaraz on winning his first title there. Now, over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll hear from a number of players battling to take the title away from him and prevent him doing the Sunshine Double at the Miami Open, presented by Ito. Coming up, we have Kasper Ruud, Andre Rublev, Ben Shelton... And Chinese star Zheng Sheng Shang. We also have one of the game's true greats in Bjorn Borg. But first, Ursin Kaderis caught up with a surprise semi-finalist from last year's event in Miami, Argentine Francisco Serundolo.
1: Yeah, last year was was amazing, probably one of the best weeks of my life. I think it was like my first big appearance in the in the big tour and it made me crack the top 100 and the top 50, I think, at the same time. So, yeah, super happy to be back here. It uh, memories from last year are amazing.
2: Why do you like Miami so much?
1: I don't know, I think I always love it. Uh, even before I played here, last, last year was the first time I played. So, I don't know, uh, it feels like home. There are a lot of Argentinians, a lot of Latin, Latin people. I like the weather, the, the city. I don't know, it's super nice and it, it makes me feel comfortable and like home.
2: In some way, it almost feels like this is a city in Latin America, does not it?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. I think most of Latin American people love to to be here. Most of them come to to live here. And yeah, I I, I also like it.
2: It's interesting that you have had so much success on the hard courts when you're from Argentina, we're used to seeing people, you know, doing well on on clay courts. Why is that?
1: I don't know. To be honest, uh, probably it's because I came here to college almost one year. So there I play on hard for, I don't know, eight, eight consecutive months, and I learned a lot there. And I think my game probably adapts to, to the hard courts really well. And Yeah, I like it, to be honest. Uh, I'm not a typical Argentinian player or clay court player, but uh, I also did, did good on, on clay. But yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I prefer hard than clay, I think.
2: So, looking back at last year, what what was the key match you think in that semi-final run?
1: Probably the first one was really really important because I I lost on first round in the world, so I wasn't with too much confidence. And I, I win. I remember I won against Gris for six four in the third, a really tough match. And and then I, the match with Tiafoe was super tough. I remember I, I beat him on. A round of 6-2 in 16, 16 the third but then three hour match, both almost cramping uh, I think t- those two are the most important
2: Where do you want to go like you know this year it's it's gonna be obviously hard to replicate yeah. what you did last year, but what yeah, in your sure. in your mind what where do you want to go?
1: yeah the first thing that i I put on myself was to to try to replicate last year to try to do as as well as last year to maintain me i don't know top forty top thirty but if if i if I can say something I would like to to read the top 20 and and try to read the second week of a Grand Slam if I can. Francisco
0: Cerundolo with Ursin Caderas. and speaking of the top 20 one player who's recently cracked that particular code is American Tommy Paul one of the breakthrough stars of 2023. Semi-finalist at the Australian Open this year and more recently he's reached the final in Acapulco and the fourth round in Indian Wells but according to his coach Bradstein, his feet are still firmly on the ground.
3: I said this a couple of times in Australia, doing interviews as we were we were leading up to the semis. He had a good draw. I mean, let's not be. I mean, he had a couple of good wins. He beat Batista Agut, He beat uh, Davidovich Fokina. Um, Jensen Brooksby after Jensen had beaten rude it wasn't like it was easy easy but he did have a bit of a good draw and I, I, I want to see Tommy continue to beat the top guys to get through and and make it to a semi with with a draw that's a tough draw you know and be able to get to that position and and, uh, and keep going so it was extremely satisfying I'm not I don't want to take anything away from it from that standpoint but I also do have a little asterisk and feel like there's more there we have to keep working we have to keep progressing and
4: getting better Better. Was this though, when you look at the result itself, was this a quote-unquote breakthrough, or do you kind of push back at breakthrough because there can be many of those <laughs> in a player's career?
3: Yeah, I, well, there are a lot of those. I mean, I think it's um, it is a bit of a breakthrough. It's his first Grand Slam semifinal, so that's that's definitely a breakthrough, and I think it it creates confidence from Tommy's standpoint that he can do that, that he can achieve that level. Um, Tommy's also been very good with tournaments in those kind of situations when he won Stockholm for example he didn't feel any sense of satisfaction from that I don't think he felt any real sense of total satisfaction from making the semis of Australia there's still more work to do when he came off of Stockholm he was like I I want more of that I want to win more titles I want to be in that position more often so that actually motivated him and and fueled him a little bit and I think Australia
4: did the same thing This is not necessarily a new talking point, but we can talk about it in a new light with Tommy, Taylor, Riley, Francis, obviously, Grand Slam semifinals, top 10 players there. This American group of men, they've really pushed each other. How impactful has that been for Tommy individually to have that group?
3: Yeah, no, I I don't think there's any doubt uh, that the the guys, they're, they're feeding off of each other a little bit. They see the successes that each of them are having. Um, I think it really started last year with Taylor winning Indian Wells. I mean, that was a, that was a, obviously a major breakthrough to beat Rafa in a major final like that. The guys all looked at that, and they said, hey, I, I've beaten Taylor before. Um, you know, I could do that. Why, why can't I be in that position? And I think that that definitely pushed. You know, And then you had Francis at the U.S. Open and then Tommy in Australia. And, and, and now we have, I think, uh, we're on the verge of almost 11 guys in the top 50. Chris Eubanks, Alex Kovacevic are both right at the edge of top 100, which I think is going to give us like 15 or 16 guys. In the top 100 again um, so it, i mean from the standpoint of being an american and coaching american it feels good to be part of that that whole group and what's going on and um, and and i think it's it's great for the excitement that it creates within the u.s hopefully it also inspires more kids and people to want to get involved and and play the sport and and we we build on that
4: generation to generation and create more players You mentioned it a couple times, obviously talking about Australia, what is the work to be done and you don't have to give away the trade secrets, but what are you guys really trying to identify to take that next step?
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a process. Tommy and I are starting our fourth year together, and it's it's been kind of funny. Each off-season, we, we go through and we're, we're literally, we started out in Tommy 1.0, Tommy 2.0, Tommy 3.0, and this last off-season, we talked about Tommy 4.0. You know, I had actually talked to him about when when we hit Tommy 3.0, I was hopeful that it was just a matter of expanding on that a little bit, and, and we weren't gonna necessarily, but then we had conversations and some things occurred, and, and we're at Tommy 4.0, and to be honest, Tommy 4.0 is way more about the mental aspects of the game. I I feel like technically, tactically, we're pretty set in how he wants to play his game and what he wants to do. Little nuances that come up and that we add to things, but but, um, the mental aspects of the game uh, are such a significant factor in pushing from where he's at right now to another three spots, five spots, Ten spots higher than where he is, and, and that's our objective is for him to ultimately be pushing through those kind of objectives.
4: Okay, so if we take it back to Tom Tommy negative 3.0, <laughs> there, there was a there was a reputation of him not working as hard, being so talented, being a top junior. What's changed in that iteration? Maybe even before you started working with him, a, a flip uh, a, a flip switch, didn't it, for him to really do the hard work? I, I think some guys would argue he's one of the fittest players on tour now.
3: Yeah, uh, you know. Again, I think it's been a little bit of a process, Nick. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think Tommy tries to hide that necessarily, that, that his reputation when I first started with him was that he was pretty undisciplined in, in how he approached things. Um, I don't think that was a realistic view of how he was at that time. He had already kind of, like, settled himself down. There, there were still some blips, let me tell you. But... Um, he's just gotten better and and as he's made progress and hit uh ranking positions or won a title like in stockholm or did what he did this year in january like i said before those things have kind of hit switches for him where he's like i want more of this and i realize more of this means i have to work harder i have to be fitter i have to be a better player i have to be mentally tougher all those aspects that it takes to be a top level player
4: What's the X factor or what, what's the thing that people maybe don't necessarily understand about Tommy Paul when they just have a glance at him or they're casual tennis fans that, that you feel like he's he's able to tap into to be a top player?
3: Um, I mean, Tommy's a phenomenal athlete to start with. I mean, anybody that's watched him play, you know, his movement and, and just his overall athleticism, and that's something that... Um, we've tried to tap into over the course of Tommy 1.0, Tommy 2.0, Tommy 3.0, is um, is having him play a little bit more of an athletic style of tennis, coming forward, attacking a little bit more, putting himself in a position where he can use his reactions and his explosiveness to, to cut off volleys and do things like that rather than just being a, a bit more of a grinder from the back of the court. Um, I think that's a super important aspect. And I think it also it fits into his personality. Tommy playing a little bit more of a, a swashbuckler style of tennis is is good for him. He, he's never gonna, I don't think, be the kind of guy that can just sit back and, and make a million balls and beat guys in that way. He, he needs to he needs to play the game as a game in a little bit of a way.
4: I mean, you've been around for a long time. You've coached Jim Courier, Kevin Anderson, uh, many others at the top of the game. Why Tommy? There's obviously, that's pointed for you to choose to work with someone, a young man that you obviously see a lot of potential in.
3: Yeah, you know, it's. You want an honest answer to that question, Nick? Jeez. Um, you know, I was working with Kevin. I was working with yeah. Kevin, and, and um, Kevin was having some serious injury issues. And uh, we were at the U.S. Open. He was. He pulled out of the U.S. Open. He was going to have to have knee surgery. Uh, I'd known Tommy through the USTA, and um, and so we had a relationship already. Tommy lost in Qualies that year at the U.S. Open. I literally DM'd him just to say, you know, bad luck in in Qualies. I saw a post that he did, you know and um that started a conversation and and he asked me he realized that kevin wasn't gonna be able to play the rest of the year he asked me if i would help him out through the rest of that year not as a and he had some phenomenal success won two challengers cracked the top 100 for the first time and at the end of the year he asked me if i would work with him on a more full-time basis and a big aspect of that there were two things kevin anderson obviously great player and 2018 was a phenomenal year finals of wimbledon got to five in the world, finished the year at six in the world. So, you know, to step away from a player like that uh, wasn't necessarily easy, but I was questioning whether Kevin was going to be able to stay healthy based on the year that we had in 2019. And so that factored into my decision. Um, I also knew that uh, Tommy's a, a good guy, and he was a very coachable guy through that first phase of time that we had, and I really enjoyed our time together. And those factors all came together and I made the decision to, to switch over. I I also, I mean, gotta be honest. I, you know, I love American tennis and I wanted to be back in a way as part of American tennis. And, and Tommy created that for me. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a great choice from my standpoint. It's been a really good choice. I mean, that's nothing negative about Kevin. Um, you know, looking back at that decision, I I was probably right in forecasting that Kevin was going to, he kind of played on and off for the next year, year and a half or so, but he but he wasn't able to really sustain and play at a full schedule or his full capacity as a player. And so probably a good choice for me
4: at that point when I when I did make that decision. Okay, lastly Tommy 4.0. As you guys put it, what what's in there, Brad? Uh, you know, is it is it a top 10? Is it a Masters 1000 final? Is it is it nothing of the sorts in the way that we look at it from a media perspective and it's you want to see him, you know, making the mental choices like you say in in the big moments.
3: You know, it's I mean, you said it, Nick, it's, you know, the the media likes to hone in on things and create a little drama and some stories and and the the reality for us is probably that it's more of a little bit of a mundane day-to-day process of making sure that Tommy's doing the right things, making the right choices um, in practice. His, his practice level has risen enormously in the last, like, three months, just just his intensity and focus on the court when he's practicing. So we continue to do those things, um, f- focus on the mental aspects, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know. We, we have to see, you know, where he's at right now. Um Man, it's not easy to jump another three spots. It's not easy to jump another five spots. The, the points become so compacted once you're inside the top 20 and the guys that you're competing against are, you know, all the guys behind you, but those few guys in front of you are obviously doing what they're supposed to be doing also, to be getting deep in tournaments and, and sucking up a lot of the big points. And you've got to make big points. For him to be able to progress and make top 15 and make top 10, uh, he has to really... Do some damage in some big tournaments so you know hopefully we can keep making more and more firsts and they become the norm not the firsts
0: brad stein with nick mccarville another american heading in the right direction is 20 year old ben shelton just over a year ago he was still ranked around 600 in the world and playing college tennis he spoke recently with our reporter mike cation
5: uh, it definitely wasn't expected. Um, I thought it was gonna be a little more s- slow and gradual, but I always thought that I was gonna be able to get there um, at some point. So definitely surprised at how fast um, I've gotten here, but uh, really uh, excited, but uh, confident in myself, confident in my abilities, and, and I knew that if I worked hard enough, that, that one day I could hopefully be at the, the point I'm at.
6: Yeah, so how, how do you kind of balance it so that you are Kind of staying humbled right. right now and just realizing you still have a match here. It's you can't just, you know, base it all on the quarterfinal with the AO.
5: Yeah, I think it, I think it's really easy with the team I have around me um, here and per, in person and the team that I have back back home uh, that I talk to a lot. They kind of keep me grounded, um, keep me thinking about the things that I need to improve on. Know that I have much more that that I can do on the tennis court and off the tennis court and that it's not just about uh, playing tennis but it's about who you are as a person. So uh, the, the crew that I have around me really does a good job of keeping me down on the ground.
6: How are you approaching it from week to week now? So many of the, the veterans obviously have experienced it. They right. know what the court speed to uh, adjust to, what balls they're having to adjust to. How are you handling it being that every time right now is a first time?
5: Yeah, I think it's important that I get a good amount of time on court. Um, and I really lock in in my practice sessions. I've been doing mostly uh, two-a-days on the court and uh, getting a a practice or like a a practice set in with a player and then going back in the evening and and hitting with my coach and uh, just, yeah, really getting used to things, uh, hitting extra serves, extra returns and trying to get dialed in. Um, I think that that's something that's really important for me, it being a, a new place that I've never been to before, a new court, a different ball from last week, so yeah, that's been something I've been focusing on.
6: what you learn from the matchup with Taylor at Indian Wells? Uh,
5: I definitely uh, took a lot from it. Um, definitely gave me some some confidence. Uh, playing someone who's number five in the world uh, that tight, I, I thought I played a great match. So, uh, but also I, I could see some, some ways that he exposed me or, or things that he picked on. And so being able to get that feedback uh, and, and knowing the things that I'm gonna have to improve if I wanna be able to compete with the best. So uh, I'm always excited when I get to match up with, with a guy like that who's had so much success lately. So yeah, I was I was happy to be able to play that match.
6: Are you able to share with us what it is that you're, you're working on specifically to try and just kind of get over the hump here this week?
5: Yeah, I think uh, some of the thing, same things that we've been talking about since uh, I started on the Challenger Tour, I think it's really important that I play an aggressive game, game style and find my way to net. Um, incorporate the serve and volley. Um, So that's been something I've been focusing on and and steadily improving. Um, So combine that with footwork and and my return of serve, I'd say those are like the three areas that I'm really locked in on.
6: It's a big jump that you've made in in nine months, technically, uh, along with just what you've had to deal with. And also now you're on Roger Federer's Instagram. are you enjoying the ride? Is it been a fun ride for you along this, this whole process?
5: Yeah, I love it. Um, I love being out here, um, being able to basically hang out with a bunch of friends, uh, go to cool dinners at different spots, and uh, yeah, be able to be able to compete uh, as my job um, out on the court. I, I've really loved it so far and uh, had a lot of fun, so I, uh, I have no complaints.
6: What has Roger's support been like? Um, and what have the interactions you've had with him, what have they been like?
5: Yeah, he's he's uh, sent me a few messages just during and after the Australian Open saying congrats. Uh, we haven't really met in person or, or spoken yet, but obviously uh, if, uh, if he didn't, uh, Support me. Uh, this uh, thing with On might not have happened. So uh, I'm am re- really glad to kind of join him as as an On ambassador and. Uh I'm uh, I'm really excited for the partnership, so I think it'll be a lot of fun.
6: For people who might not know, obviously Florida is a big state. Um, Your your dad is back in in Gainesville. Uh, That's about a five-hour drive. Yeah, five or six. Five or six. But it's going to be a very big, supportive Florida Gators, uh, University of Florida support group for you. And I'm just wondering what that means to you, uh, especially since you're still not that far removed.
5: Yeah, uh, I always love hearing the fans cheering for me. and. And uh, it, be, it being something that we have in common, uh love for the University of Florida makes it really cool. But, I mean, I love playing in those type of environments. If the crowd's for me, great, I love it. If the crowd's against me, great, I love it. So uh, uh, I'm really excited no matter
4: what. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and atptour.com.
0: As the action gets into full swing in Miami and with Rafael Nadal dropping outside of the world's top 10 for the first time in, wait for it, 18 years, the top 10 is the youngest it's been for 13 years. One player contributing to that fresher look is Andre Rublev, who still has the same old burning desire to push himself to his limits.
7: It comes natural since I was... Uh... Since I was a kid, first of all, I always hated to lose, no matter what I was doing, I just hated. And then, uh, now it's only with tennis, with the rest, I don't care. Sometimes I, I lose on purpose to make others happy, but on, in tennis now, I still hate to lose. And uh, I was a bit, I think, <laughs> I had some, I was a bit mentally maybe sick, I don't know, but when I was a kid, there was so many times I don't know why, I don't know how, but I would say to myself, okay, I need to make 10 in a row throws. Till I will not make it, I'm not going to leave. And it comes natural, this. And and I'm in, in the same moment, I was fighting with myself, like, what are you doing know, Like, I was maybe five or six, and for I don't need to do, no one is watching, I can go to eat or to watch cartoons. And me, you no, know, you said that you need to make 10, so till you make 10, you're not going to leave from here. And then it was every time it was like this. Then I would say something else, you know, this shoot from... Uh, so I need to make exactly in the middle, I don't know, from 10 meters. Until I will not make it, I would shoot all day. And my grandma and grandpa, grandpa they were sometimes uh, crying at me. They were just, ha, ha, ha like, again, look at this. <laughs> Already rain and he still uh, didn't make it. <laughs> still there is something, so I don't know. Yesterday we had photo shoot with Sasha. And there was a game that we need to put, uh, like, a basketball ball in. And still I needed... I needed to make it before I stop, you know? Like, uh, if I miss, I want okay, give me one more, just to, just to, okay, now we can, as soon as I make it, now we can, done, now we can
0: finish. Not many people know you on the tour better than Daniel, your good friend, I know he beat you in Dubai, but he also backed you after that to win a, a big title this year. Um, how much is it going to be a goal of yours this year? How big is that goal to win a big one?
7: I mean, it's. I think it's a goal for every player who is in a top ten or oh, a top ten in a top hundred or even more. Every everyone wants to win big title and they dream about it and it's normal. The thing is, for me of course I would love. I would love to win all the big titles, and uh, but I try just to don't think because I don't know. I feel as more you think about it, as more pressure you put on yourself and and that's it so because you never know you never know when you will have a chance to win a big title maybe you you think this is the moment because you're playing so good and everything and suddenly you go to play next day and maybe you don't feel that good but your opponent feel amazing and you didn't make it and maybe then another week when you're thinking no this week there is no chance suddenly you start to play really well and maybe the other guys they don't play that well and you win a you know, and you never know when it can happen. So the the best thing is just to stay focused, to do your job, especially the things outside the court in a right way to keep improving and then one day you will have a chance.
0: Next up. Thanks for
8: all the submitted questions on social media the last uh, days. I have answered some of you, so stay tuned to, to hear my answers.
0: ATP uncovered sat down with the number three seed in Miami, last year's finalist, Casper Ruud.
8: Why do you run like a cartoon character when someone hit a drop shot? <laughs> that's that's a really good one. I don't know. It's just my reaction. I'm like so focused on players try to overpower me with their with their ground strokes, which sometimes they are able to do so I'm prepared for people you know ripping balls at me that's sort of how I grew up playing but then when someone throws in a beautiful drop shot and you know a good finesse shot I'm very surprised and my reaction is just to you know throw my hands up in the air and start to run as fast as possible it's not a very it's not a very aesthetic uh, move but I'm glad it could put a smile on my face. Casper, <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure food? Oof. I like junk food, I must say. I'll have anything from <laughs> Chick-fil-A and uh, Shake Shack is also a favorite. I don't know, crisps, I like crisps a lot. Uh, we have a good, couple of good ones in Norway, but uh, in the States as well, I like Doritos. So, I don't know, maybe that could, could be on the list as well. Yeah. Are you and Matteo in love? <laughs> I wouldn't say so. We are good friends, and we've had a nice uh, couple of experiences during the Labor Cup. He's a great guy. I mean, uh, but uh, I can tell you that we are not in love. <laughs> it's a good bromance. Yeah, it's a good bromance. That's uh, that's that's a good uh, good wo- a word for it. <laughs> Who is your favorite WTA player? One from the current field and one from the retired lot. I think Iga plays fun. Uh, from the current. Um... Current generation, she's uh, been dominating the last uh, year or so. It was really cool to see her go on what is like a 50 or almost like a 50-match winning streak yeah. last year. And uh, from the past, I must say, Serena. To me, she's uh, she's the goat. Casper, were you and Niall Horan separated at birth? Because it's uncanny. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen this comparison a couple times. I don't see it as much as maybe others do. I've seen some um, videos of him playing golf, actually. That so would be fun to maybe get around in with him. Maybe we could organize that in the future, who knows? Yeah, that could be something, get you both out there playing golf. Yeah, maybe they people will have a tough time uh, seeing who's who. Exactly. <laughs> what do you like to do in your free time apart from playing golf. I like watching movies. I'm like more of a movie guy than a series guy. I watched the Lord of the Rings saga for the third time. And I watched the extended versions. so they're like three and a half hours long, all of them at least. The last one is four hours and 20. Are you up to play doubles with Andy Murray? Yes, for sure. He's a, he's a legend of the game. I played him in singles and it was fun. Fun sharing the court with him. And uh, we played with each other on the Labor Cup team last year, so we didn't get to play doubles together, but I'm up for the partnership. Maybe Andy is, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to ask him, but it uh, could happen in uh, 2023. That would be a fun, uh, fun team-up, hopefully.
0: Another young player enjoying life on tour is China's Sheng Shang, who's impressed recently alongside compatriots Wu Yibing and Shen Shang. The Miami wildcard known as Jerry on tour has been working with Dante Bettini, former coach of Grigor Dimitrov and Kane Ishikori. And while he fell at the first hurdle this week, he impressed in Australia in January, working through three rounds of qualifying before eventually losing to Francis Tiafo, in the second round of the main draw.
9: It hasn't changed much, you know, I'm still the same guy that um, that played on tour last year and the same person that uh, did pre-season, so overall just very positive thinking after Australia. I was a little bit sick but then now I'm getting back to the back to the momentum after Indian Wells.
6: Your expectation level um, amongst fans, amongst some of your peers is one thing. What's your expectation level right now for yourself and how you're approaching this 2023 campaign?
9: Um, I tried to not think too much on the, the results. Obviously, it's, I think it's too early for me, you know, 18 years old, just trying to build momentum, getting to the tour, getting to know the players. So uh, I think it's more about learning, but at the same time, you know, results do matter to the tennis players a lot that's basically the thing that you, uh, you you achieve and you get happy you know sometimes you lose that's okay so for me just a lot of learning this year and hopefully i can uh, get used to the level on the tour
6: yeah so how how are you doing that how are you focusing on just patience and letting results happen as they happen
9: uh i think i'm doing good you know it takes a lot of time obviously you know seeing all these great players they don't just become top 10 in a day or two so you know it takes a year maybe two years maybe more so that's something I'll be patient for and uh, just keep working hard
6: Dante Bottini um, what has he brought to the team over the last couple of months
9: definitely a lot of positive thinking Um, I think I'm a positive guy outside of the court but sometimes a little negative thinking about the the bad side of the of my tennis so uh, he's taught me how to think positive after each point, even though when I'm down and uh, when I not, when I'm not playing good, so that's helped me a lot. I think that's the mo- most important thing I need.
6: What does his experience as well with Grigor with Ka, what, what does that bring in terms of what he's able to tell you for an event like this here in Miami?
9: That's definitely helpful. You know, I've played here, you know, in the past two years, and uh, um, he, he's taught me a lot of things. You know, like for example, taking time before before each point. You know uh thinking positive like i just said and also i mean he, he also tells me you know on the court you're out there by yourself you know now with the new coaching role he can help me a bit but it's mainly you know me thinking thinking positive and fighting for each point and uh yeah that's that's about it
6: um obviously with you you being um w- what does that mean in terms of the expectation for chinese men right now to have you guys in the main draw here in miami
8: um,
9: I think that's very good for the for the Chinese tennis for us. You know the the men's tennis we've been struggling a bit in the past couple of years, but uh, you know on the women's side they're doing amazing, always amazing things on tour. And for us, it's very positive. You know me and Yibing and Jijun
0: we're playing good, and that's very positive. Great to hear from 18-year-old Jerry Chang speaking there with Mike Kation Finally, this week, and it is a very big and finally. In Indian Wells last week, I had the immense privilege and pleasure to sit down and chat with one of the greatest players of all time, and I don't say that lightly, Bjorn Borg. We spoke about a number of different topics, starting with what he makes of today's tour.
10: I think the tour is very professional, I mean, they have so many tournaments, all the players are very professional, they they know what to do and not to do, but uh, compared to my time when we played, there was less tournaments. But today, uh, I mean, tennis is a global sp- uh, sport. It's one of the biggest sports in the world. I mean, viewing, television, media, everything, and that's the way you should be. I mean, no one is bigger than the sport itself. So um, I- I'm very happy to be involved with with the, with the sport, with tennis, and uh, to see the players today, and. To be part of the whole thing, I'm, I'm very happy. I mean, I, I don't have to play, but to see these guys play tennis today, they're very professional and they play, uh, they play unbelievably good tennis. And to be part of it and to see this generation today, it's fantastic. I, I, I just enjoy it every single minute.
0: How do you think it can get even better? If, if, if we put you in charge for a year, what would you do to take the game to another level?
10: I have no idea. <laughs> no, but, I think what, what they're uh, doing today, they're, they're doing a good job. I don't want to be too negative or anything like that because I, have, I always speak positive regarding tennis. But for me, I think it's maybe too many tournaments. Maybe they should have a little bit of break before they start in Australia in January. So, I, and I know the players want a little bit more kind of a break but uh, it's a big sport, one of the biggest, a lot of money involved with, with, with tennis, but I think they should have a time that they could rest a little bit more. It feels like a
0: bit of a changing of the guard at the moment at the top of the sport, and I'm sure you'd agree. You've got Rafa and Novak still out there, which is incredible, the, the younger guys coming through. Just on Rafa and Novak, as someone who is obviously right at the top of the game yourself. When Rafa does dip out of the top 10 next week, he'll have been there for 18 years. I mean, it's just beyond fathomable, isn't it?
10: I think Rafa, like you said, he's going to be in, not be in the top 10 for, for so many years now, but I'm, I think he's a very happy guy. I mean, what he did achieve in, in tennis, and he will still want to continue to play, I and mean, maybe the body is not working 100%, but he still wants to play. And. Uh, Novak, I think he's, he might win one or two more Grand Slam tournaments. Who knows? But he is what he is doing for, for not for himself but for the tennis in general is unbelievable. Uh, he's still pushing the limits. He wants to be the greatest, he wants to win more tournaments, break all the records in, in tennis history. And uh, I mean he's a fantastic player. But to to, to have these guys involved with tennis. You never know what uh, uh, Rafa is going to do. Maybe play one more year. I don't know. It's up to him mentally or his body or whatever. But Novak is going to be around for a few more years and just enjoy the tennis. And then you have the new generation coming up with so many good players. And it's, it's very important for media to promote this new generation coming up because they are unbelievable profession they play great tennis, but it's important for media to f- promote this place. I mean, you had Federer and Nadal, Djokovic. Murray is still playing, but it's going to come a new generation coming. And uh, to see these guys play, it's amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm the captain of the labor Cup team, uh, Team Europe. So. I see this place I keep in contact with the, the European players, and it's a nice thing I mean we have a great time but to, to spend time with this place it's uh, for me it's very important and it's very interesting what they dislike what they like about tennis what they want to do what they not want to do so for me I'm very proud and happy to be part of Labour Cup uh, be the captain of the European team but to follow this generation in tennis. Um, to be still, I mean, I'm, I'm old today, but to be part of it, I'm very happy and proud.
0: And part of the magic, I guess, has been the rivalries that they've had too. Rafa, Novak, Roger, very obviously. Thinking back though as well to, to your own career, for tennis, how important are
10: rivalries for the game? I think rivalries in, in, in uh, any sport is very important. I mean, the rivalries in tennis, what I had with, uh, with uh, McEnroe or Connors, it's, it's important because people like to see that. I mean, see different personalities, they want to see good tennis, good matches. So that's very, very important. And, I mean, tennis today for so many years, you have Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, all this Murray, all these matches, they, they played. It was unbelievable. To, you cannot see better tennis. Than to watch these guys play, so uh, so that's very important. And in the future, you're going to have rivalries, but you have to build up. I'm, I'm still going back to the media or ATP, whatever you had. There's going to be good matches, rivalties, but new guys. So this area is the best ever. It's going to become a new area in tennis, and they have to promote that area. Well, you mentioned a new era. You've got.
0: Guys like Carlos Alcaraz and Holger Rune are both still 19. It's, inc- it's incredible. Um, how excited should we be by that rivalry?
10: I think it should be very excited because you have you only mentioned two guys now and they play unbelievably good tennis, but they're going to play so many more matches, not on the grandstands, but tournaments and promote these guys. Uh, and they play uh, just to watch them play. It's fantastic, but You're going to hear new names, more names, more matches, rivalries, and this this thing, and uh, people have to get used to that in the future, because there's so many good players today. Talking about the younger players, you're also
0: a a tennis father now, yourself. Seeing tennis, I guess, from a slightly different lens, your son Leo playing on the Futures Tour, how happy were you, given that he's always going to be a tennis player with the surname Borg. How how happy were you for him
10: to play tennis? (laughs) That's a good question. I was hoping he picked another sport, (laughs) but he he started to play soccer. He was a very good soccer player, football, Uh, but then he wanted to play uh, tennis, so whatever you want to do, it's up to you but he's playing tennis he loves tennis he has a big heart for tennis he's motivated he's 19 he has many more years but uh, then sometimes i go to my son and say "Uh, you have any question you if if you have problems or anything you can always ask me (laughs) and my son says, you don't understand anything about tennis so thank you very much (laughs) That's, but we always, me and my wife, we behind him 100%, but he has his life, he has his tennis, he has his team, and he loves it. He enjoys it very much. And just in terms of what next, Bjorn, um, how
0: how long are you going to look to stay involved and, you know, what's next for you?
10: I think, uh, like you said, I have a son, Leo, who's playing tennis, and of course, follow him playing, but... You know, I, I love the sports, uh, I love tennis, and I, I will be involved with tennis uh, for many, many more years to come, uh, even if maybe not traveling so much, but still, I'm, I'm, I follow tennis. I, I know exactly all the players, I know results, I follow the tournaments, everything. And that's, that's part of me. I mean, my heart is tennis, so I'm going to be involved for so many years. Maybe not, like I said, not traveling that much, but to follow this generation, follow tennis in general, it's uh, it's part of my life. It's, It's me, and I love it.
0: My thanks to Bjorn Borg and all of our guests this week. Remember, you can watch all the latest action from Miami on Tennis TV. Download that app. You can keep up with all the latest results on the ATP WTA Live app. Check out ATP.com for all the latest news and features, including next year's tour calendar, which is now out. And if this podcast isn't quite enough, check back every Wednesday for an exclusive chat. Coming up this week is Francis Tierfo's coach, Wayne Ferreira, speaking with Jill Krabus. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.